I am really excited to launch us into this new series, which we have titled Heaven Now and Forever. Yes, now and forever. And I'm gonna start today by praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And so would you join me? Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to be the teacher, to give us ears to hear and open hearts for what you have for us today. Today is the day that you have made, and we're gonna rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the next four weeks, we are going to take some time to unpack this often mysterious and confusing topic of heaven. Now, if you're older or maybe you have an illness or perhaps you've lost someone that you love, you might have thought more deeply about the topic of heaven, but I think many of us have not thought that hard or that deeply about eternity. And, you know, I think it can kind of feel like that last line in a fairy tale, and they all lived happily ever after. But if we pause and we really think about it, there are a lot of questions to answer when it comes to the topic of heaven. What is heaven? Is heaven real? Where do I go when I die? What is heaven going to be like? What about judgment? How do I go to heaven? Does everybody go to heaven? What about hell? Well, as a former teacher, one of the things I really miss is read-alouds. That's where your teacher would read aloud a book to you. And so today I thought it would be fun to do a little read-aloud with Mrs. Yoder. And so welcome to my classroom. I am going to read a part of a children's book to you. It's called What's Heaven? And the author is Maria Shriver. It has lots of five-star reviews on Amazon. And it's a children's book to help us understand the topic of heaven. So welcome to my classroom. This is a story about Kate. Kate has just lost her great-grandmother, and Kate's mom is trying to to describe to her what heaven is, and this is what she says. Heaven is somewhere you believe in. It's a beautiful place where you sit on soft clouds and talk to other people who are there. At night, you sit next to the stars, which are the brightest of anywhere in the universe. Kate is a curious girl and goes on to ask her mom, so everyone gets to go to heaven? Her mom replied, I believe that if you're good throughout your life, then you get to go to heaven. Some people believe in different kinds of heaven and have different names for it. Kate was silent for a few minutes, and then she asked, Mommy, how do I get to heaven? Her mom replied, when your life is finished here on earth, God sends angels down to take you up to heaven to be with him. Later on, Kate is still asking questions, and her mom tells her this about great-grandma's new home. She can play games and go to parties. She's in a safe place with the stars and God and the angels. She is watching over us from up there. Well, I don't have time to continue reading the whole book, but you get the picture that is painted by this author. You know, it's filled with clouds and good behavior and parties and fun. And this is what many people think of and imagine when they think of heaven. This is what they believe and what they even teach their children. So the question for each of us to ponder today is, when you think of heaven, what do you think of? What images come to mind? What do you think it will be like? Many people believe that heaven is above us. It's a future place that we will go. But for the next 25 minutes or so, I want us to put aside some of our maybe deeply held beliefs, and I want to paint a picture for you of what the Bible tells us heaven is really going to be like. Now, We might learn some new things today, and I want to break off any shame or condemnation that you might feel. We're all on a journey with Jesus. We're all learners. And so I want us to embrace this topic with a lot of curiosity, because I believe that God really wants us to better understand 
what is heaven? Okay, the good news is this. My hope today is that after today and over the next few weeks, your heart will be filled with so much joy and hope as you think about eternity. You know, the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about heaven, but it's not always easy to interpret. In the New Testament, Jesus often taught in parables or short stories, and he often talked about entering into the kingdom of heaven or what life was going to be like in the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you just a quick example. This is Matthew 13. Jesus is, is teaching here. He says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. You know, this language, it's often mysterious and metaphorical when we see kingdom of heaven in the Bible. And that kind of leads us to be a little bit confused about what the kingdom of heaven is. Is it a far off place that we're gonna go? Or is it God's invading power and presence in our lives today? And so it can be, it can be a challenge. The, the truth is the Bible actually doesn't say much about us going to heaven when we die. And when I first read about that, I was like, ooh, that feels a little disconcerting. But what we're gonna discover over the next few weeks is actually that's because heaven is talked about in a different way than many of us have understood heaven to be. So in addition to the Bible being kind of confusing, um, the other thing that's really affected us is uh, culture and the way that we were brought up. Particularly if you were brought up in a faith that had really strong opinions about eternity, you probably have a lot of preconceived notions and ideas about heaven and hell. You add into that all the images that we see in pop culture. You know, some of that can actually be traced back to Dante's, he was a, a poet, that famous poem that he wrote called Inferno, which painted this really fiery picture of hell. And that's really shaped us. So we tend to think of hell as this like fiery hot place that's down below and heaven as up in the sky with the clouds, some chubby angels eating grapes, okay? And then these images are reinforced by the movies we watch and culture around us. They're also reinforced by the prayers we pray, by the songs that we even sing in church. Songs have a lot of theology, by the obituaries we read. Has anyone ever read an, a thing in an obituary that says something like, heaven gained another angel today? All of these things can actually confuse us about what heaven is really all about. Not only is heaven confusing, but let's be honest, the topic of hell is also confusing. What happens if we, know, if we don't know Jesus when we die? You know, it's not uncommon today for many people to just stop believing in hell. Others have been taught to believe in a place called purgatory, which is kind of a place where people can remediate themselves. Others have embraced universalism, where God gives you endless chances. Others have embraced annihilation, just meaning it's all over. There's nothing left after you die. Or reincarnation, where we're reborn into another form. I think if we look at the, the religions of the world, we can see that there are a variety of beliefs, and there's a lot of mystery and confusion. It's safe to say that we are often muddled and misguided when it comes to our eschatology. Ooh, that's a big word. Eschatology, what does that mean? Well, that means what we believe and think about death, resurrection, the end times, uh, our souls and our beings, and eventually the world, how all of that is going to shape out. And actually, our eschatology is really, really important. What we believe about the end actually affects our life now. 
And perhaps you've not thought of that, but I hope throughout this series, you will be able to discover that understanding the end and, and understanding what's happening actually affects our everyday life. As I was studying for this topic, I came across a fascinating quote, and it said, our eschatology affects our ethics. And I think this is a deep thing that we need to ponder. What we believe about the end actually affects us today. What we believe about the end and the world, it informs our life today and our afterlife. It matters now and it matters forever. And so that's why we wanna explore this topic. That's why we wanna take time to ask good questions like, is heaven real? What about judgment? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? What happens when I die? Where do I go? How do I get to heaven? Does everybody get to heaven? And lastly, we'll look at hell and we'll see what the Bible has to say about that. Now, admittedly, this is a really, really huge topic and we're not gonna have time over the next few weeks to cover every angle, but we wanted to give you a few tools for you to go deeper. And so we have made a resource page at our website, tvc.us slash heaven. And we have extra resources there, books we recommend, podcasts, movies, things like that. And then another fun thing we're doing is we're gonna do a bonus podcast every single week with the preacher and a few other pastors on our staff where we're gonna actually take questions that you send in. You can send me questions um, or on our social media, we'll have a little box pop up where you can ask us questions about these four different topics of heaven, judgment, paradise, and hell. And so I think it's gonna be a really exciting adventure. What I want you to hear me today say is that throughout this series, we are going to glorify and magnify what Jesus has done for us and as us. He is our King and he has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He has made a way for us to live with him forever in eternity. And understanding that is actually gonna help us live full lives right now. And so with all of that context, I'm gonna zero in on the question we're gonna focus on today, and that is, what is heaven? Well, thankfully we have Google. So I just went to Google and I just asked Google, hey, what is heaven? And this is what, the Google, what Google said. It said, it's a place regarded in various religions as the abode, which is another name for house, of God and the angels and of the good after death, often traditionally depicted as being above the sky. I think this is a good basic definition of what many people would say heaven is. Heaven is God's home. It's where the angels live. It's where people go after they die. And we usually think of it as someplace up in the sky. Well, we've already established there's actually a lot of confusion about heaven. And part of this confusion lies in the fact that we've often thought of this uh, whole concept like this. Earth is here in the middle. And where's heaven? It's above us. And where's hell? It's below us. And so we've thought of it, specifically heaven and earth, is we've thought of heaven and then earth, or heaven here and then, sorry, earth here and then heaven here. And we've seen them as two totally separate spaces that we will go to heaven one day when we die. That is a separate place. But that's not actually how Jewish people understood heaven's placement. And it's important that we actually understand the biblical perspective when we are reading the Bible. Genesis 1.1 tells us this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So from the very first line of the Bible, we discovered that God has created both heaven and earth, both of these spaces. And from a Jewish, Jewish perspective, it wasn't earth and heaven, they were side by side. And this is going to change everything. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna watch a Bible project video that helps us better understand this perspective. You can turn your attention to the screen. 
So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here, there's trees, rivers, mountains, but my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty. But human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's 
healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, behold, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. It's an amazing story. We have an amazing savior who has made us fit dwelling places for his presence. You see, when we believe in Jesus, what happens is he comes to live inside of us. We actually become his temples and we are able to go all throughout wherever we live and work and play. We're able to give away the kingdom of heaven. So that's why heaven is now and it is forever. The union of heaven and earth, the joining of these two spaces is what this entire book is about. And it is actually what our lives should be about. We believe that heaven will come when Jesus returns. We believe that's a physical return. And this is going to change our entire perspective on how we talk and think about the topic of heaven. And so I think this video is really helpful. I think it does raise some good questions. One, you know, that he mentioned, where do I go when I die? And I want to take the last uh, minutes that we have together to take on three questions. The first question is that question. Where do we go when we die? Secondly, what is heaven? And then thirdly, how do I get to heaven? Okay, so let's jump in with that first question. Where do we go when we die? This is such an important question that we're actually gonna take an entire week of our series and unpack it. But today I just wanna give a brief answer because I think the context is helpful in the larger conversation. Jesus famously told one of the thieves that was being crucified with him when the thief repented, He said this in Luke 23, 43, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there are a few other references throughout the New Testament that speak of this intermediate place, a place that we call paradise. If you believe in Jesus, we believe that when you die, you go to paradise and there you are with the Lord and you are awaiting your resurrection 
bodies. The truth is there is so much that we do not know about this place. There are lots and lots of questions. What we do know is that it is paradise, but not perfection. And this is a good picture that I read about. Um, It's like a wise parent who decides to give their kid just one present on Christmas Eve. Our father doesn't give us every gift he has for us the moment that we die. Now, I want you to hear me say, it is the best gift we have ever received in our entire life because we believe that at the moment you die, you are in the arms of the father, that you are in his presence and he knows you and you know him. But he is saving more gifts. Specifically, he's saving Jesus's return, our resurrection bodies, the new heaven and new earth, and restoration of all things. And I think we need to wrestle with the fact that the focus of this book, the focus of scripture is not on paradise. It's not on the intermediate place. It is on the final place. And that place is heaven. When Jesus returns, when we are resurrected, when he judges all people, and when all things are restored. Now, I'm gonna move on. And I know that was such a short explanation. I want you to come back because we are going to unpack more of what life will be like in paradise. The second question I wanna focus on today is what is heaven? Is it real? And what's it gonna be like? Um, I think these are great questions. Heaven is our ultimate home and heaven will be here on earth. It will happen when Jesus returns. Again, a literal return. I wanna go to Revelation 21 because John writes a description of what he sees in a vision. And this is what he says, verse 21, or chapter 21, verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And so right here in these first few verses, what we see is that heaven and earth are going to join together and they're going to create a new heaven and earth. God's going to create a new city and he's going to live among his people. I wanna encourage you, go read Revelation 21 because John actually details out, it's almost incomprehensible, the city that he describes, the majesty, the beauty, the jewels that are going to bedazzle this city. Heaven and earth are going to be united as one and when this happens, the world will be uh, completely whole It will be perfect and filled with love. There will be no death and no sorrow and no pain and no crying. Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge all people. We're gonna talk about that judgment next week. We're gonna discover that that's actually a good thing. And each of us is going to receive our resurrection bodies. Now, last summer, when I had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem, we went to the Mount of Olives. And this is a very important place in the end times because in Zechariah 14, there's a prophecy that the Mount of Olives is the place where Jesus will return. If you're standing on the Mount of Olives, when you look forward, you can see the city of Jerusalem and you see the Eastern Gate, which is sometimes known as the Beautiful Gate. And this prophecy from Zechariah says that Jesus will enter into the new city through the Eastern Gate. Well, the Muslims were so concerned about this prophecy, they actually had the Eastern Gate sealed up 
Um, you can see there, I, I hate to break it to him, but when Jesus returns, a sealed gate is not gonna stop him. But interestingly, what you're looking at now is this is a cemetery on the side of the Mount of Olives. People have paid millions of dollars to be buried on this side of, of the Mount of Olives. Why? They want a front row ticket to when Jesus returns and goes through the Eastern gate into the new city. It's a true story. Those, those plots, everything has to be buried above ground, millions of dollars for people to be buried there, but they wanted that front row experience. I'm not saying I understand how all of this is going to pay off, but I will say it was a very sobering and an interesting moment to be in this place and ponder all that awaits us in the future. So we believe that heaven is going to be a physical place here on earth. Earth will be made new and whole. I, I think of it like earth 2.0. Um, there's definitely gonna be some upgrades. I like to think of it like this, that you know it's gonna be both familiar and unrecognizable. There's gonna be some new features. We're gonna live here on the redeemed earth in the context of the new heaven and new earth. And Revelation 21 talks about this cosmic temple where God is going to live in uh, and with us. We, when we understand and when we believe this, it should impact the way we treat the earth. We should steward the space that God has given us. Now, in heaven, our bodies are gonna be glorified, which means there's gonna be no signs of aging, which no Botox or creams necessary, amen? And we won't be able to get sick or deteriorate or die. I mean, can I get a woohoo? Like, that's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have fully resurrected bodies. We're not just gonna be spiritual like beings or entities. We know this because Jesus already has his resurrection body. So we can look in the New Testament, we can look at some of those passages where Jesus was with people after he rose again and he had some new features, didn't he? He could appear and disappear. Obviously we can't do that, but I'm looking forward to that feature. We also know that he ate and drank which good news for all you foodies. I believe we will be eating the best food we've ever tasted in our wildest imaginations when we are in heaven. We believe that we'll be able to do things like think and reason, have emotions and choose, all without the possibility of sin. We believe that there is going to be work. There's gonna be physical work and mental work, relational work. Heaven is not going to be boring. You are not going to be sitting on clouds and eating grapes with chubby angels. It's going to be amazing. Is there gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of worship. We know that. The Bible tells us that, that there's gonna be amazing worship. But also good news for those of you who think like an endless worship set just sounds terrible. There's gonna be a lot more than worship. I believe we're gonna live rich and deep and full lives in this new space. Eternity is going to be amazing. We will be renewed in God's image. We're gonna serve God and we're gonna develop the new world for God's glory. There is so much that we don't know. It's a beautiful mystery. Here's my encouragement to each of us. Don't let your imagination or your lack of imagination confuse you about heaven. Instead, invite the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to his truth as we go on this journey. Okay, we have to address one more question. And that question is, how do I go to heaven? Or how do I have eternal life? And this is a really important question. So I wanna go to John 3, and we're gonna meet a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a religious leader and teacher. And man, he just cannot figure Jesus out. He is like, what is going on with this guy? So what he does is he goes at night, because he doesn't wanna be seen talking to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, listen, I know that you're from God, because nobody can do the things you're doing unless they were from God. And so he's kind of like, what's the deal? And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. I am from God. And no one can see the kingdom. No one can enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. 
Well, Nicodemus is an older guy and he's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I know how you're born and you're born one time and you can't fit back into your mom's tummy. So what is this about? And what Jesus says is, oh, this is not a birth from below. This is a birth from heaven. This is a birth from the spirit. And Nicodemus is still kind of confused. And so this is what Jesus said, a very famous verse, John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So I wanna be abundantly clear. The way you go to heaven, the way you have eternal life is you believe in Jesus. You see, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. And the way you are born again is you believe that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again for you. You receive this gift from our father. It is such a beautiful gift. That is how you go to heaven. That is how you have eternal life. You believe in Jesus. Now, this is very different from the world's major religions. In fact, I wanna just take a few moments to just share a brief summary. Now, there's lots of variations within these religions, but this is kind of a basic summary or overview of what other religions believe about heaven or the afterlife. Buddhism believes that heaven, which is sometimes called nirvana, is accessed by understanding the universe, acting and speaking and living in the right manner with the right intentions. It's based on what you do. In Hinduism, you go to heaven by ridding yourself of bad karma. And that can be done in multiple ways, but it usually involves appeasing the gods. It's based on what you do. In Islam, one goes to heaven if they have sufficiently obeyed Allah and if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. It's based on what you do. In Scientology, one gets to heaven through knowledge of the universe and self. It's based on what you do. And unfortunately for many people, they kind of have a cocktail of many of these different beliefs and religions. And oftentimes people believe that they go to heaven if they're a good person. If their good outweighs their bad, it's based on what they do. Christianity is the only faith that is not based on what we do, it's based on what he did. It's not based on our behavior, it's based on our belief. And here's the incredible news. When we say yes to Jesus, when we believe in him, our behavior changes. That is the incredible truth of the gospel. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we receive this free gift of salvation. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on our belief that Jesus is king, that his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection are hope for us, not just in the future. They're hope for us today. Why? Because when Jesus came, he actually brought heaven with him. Everywhere he went, we learned this in that video, everywhere he went, he healed the sick, he set people free, he brought hope to the hopeless. And now as carriers of his presence, as his kids, we get to do the same thing wherever we live and work and play. You see, Jesus has poured out his spirit so that we could experience it personally and then demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is now here on earth. Now, as a church last uh, in this winter, I hope you remember we did the Lord's Prayer. And part of the Lord's Prayer is actually really important in this whole topic where uh, we read in Matthew 16, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, this is the incredible message I have for you today. Heaven is now and forever. We get to join Jesus in kingdom work. We're gonna pray that heaven comes to earth today. We are carriers of his hope and his healing. And this should actually motivate us to understand our eschatology. Our eschatology affects our ethics. What we believe about the end actually affects how we're gonna live our lives today. Because if we think it's all gonna burn, if we think nothing matters, if we just think, oh Lord, you know, just take me home now. No, we actually can experience heaven now. And what that means is as you're interacting with people, as you face things in your own life, you don't have to just wait. You can pray that it comes today. This is an incredible, incredible truth. And I love that picture from the video where there's, you know, here the message and heaven is breaking in all around us. One of the things we really believe here at the Vineyard is in kingdom of God theology. What that means is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come and it is coming. And that can be confusing. Sometimes it's called the already and the not yet. And what that means is this, is that we still have death and pain and disease, and yet we know that there is also hope and healing and restoration today for many of the things. We are carriers of his presence, and we get to announce to the world, the king and his kingdom has co- have come. Join us. Receive Jesus. Believe in him, and you will have eternal life. You'll have that life now, and you'll have it forever. This is real hope. This is real hope that heaven has come now, and is coming fully in the future, that one day Jesus will return, we will receive resurrection bodies, everything will be restored, heaven is real, and it's now and forever. And so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna worship. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this incredible truth, God. I thank you that even now, like you you want us to understand more deeply and more fully the goodness that you have for us waiting in the future. And so we just pray for open hearts and open minds. God, as we enter into this worship, I thank you that worship is such an incredible activity where we get to experience heaven on earth. And so we invite your presence into this space. We love you, Holy Spirit, and we love partnering with you. In Jesus' name, amen.